Hi, everyone. This is David Cohen, and I'm here with my amazing co-host, Brad Feld. Hey, Brad. And this is the Give First podcast. And in the startup world, Give First means simply trying to help anyone, especially entrepreneurs, without any expectation of getting anything back. So we'll be talking to mentors and founders about what Give First looks like in action and how it makes great entrepreneurship possible. We polled everyone and they said consistently that their favorite part of the show was the legal mumbo jumbo. So here it is. The following discussion is an expression of personal opinion and does not represent the opinion of Techstars or any company we discuss. Our conversations for informational purposes only, including any mention of securities or funds. This is not legal business investment or tax advice and is not intended for use by any investor. Certain of Techstars funds own or may own in the future securities in some of the companies discussed in this podcast. Got it? Hey, everybody, it's David Cohen, and I'm back with another episode of the Give First podcast. Really excited to have with us today an all-star mentor from the Techstars network. All-star mentors are those who are voted by the entrepreneurs as the best of the best of the mentors, and someone who is working on several really cool initiatives, including your own new fund, I believe, Sherman, for really U.S. Service Academy graduates. So we're really excited to talk to Sherman Williams today. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Excited to be here. So let's let people get to know you just briefly. Tell us a little bit about your background and maybe lead it into AIN and what you're doing today. I'm originally from Chicago, went to the Naval Academy and was a Naval officer for many years. was always interested in finance. Didn't really have that outlet at the Naval Academy or what I did in the Navy. I was an um, intelligence officer in the Navy. I then went to business school at the University of Chicago Booth, where I interned in banking and also interned in venture capital. I knew I had a lot to learn. I wanted to learn as much as I could, as fast as possible. At that time, this was many years ago, it was more of a how about you go invest in banking, M&A. You can see a lot of deals, a lot of transactions, pretty intense environment. So I decided to go do that, but I never lost sight of being an investor and the startup ecosystem. So even while I was a banker, after a couple of years of getting crushed, when I kind of had somewhat of a handle on things, I picked my head up and started advising startups. And then eventually even investing in some startups on my own, with my own capital. And I eventually left investment banking and connected with a former classmate at the Naval Academy, as well as a gentleman from West Point, both of whom have proven to be outstanding mentors to me, and working with my co-founder, Emily McMahon, on building a fund, the Academy Investor Network. And we are a fund that invests in veteran-led startups across all sectors, as well as invest in non-veterans that are building dual-use technologies. Those are technologies that help make our country safer, operate more efficiently, and have a strong commercial use case. We've been at it for, it'll be a full year since we formally launched it on June 1st. We also run a syndicate to go alongside that fund. And that syndicate is made up of graduates of the five U.S. military service academies to invest alongside the fund in that thesis that I just laid out. So that is me and what I've been up to. Awesome. I think one of the challenges that folks that have served in the military seem to have when they come into entrepreneurship is just finding community. We built early on something called Patriot Bootcamp, which is now a nonprofit. I'm, I'm guessing you might have run into that, where it's really just providing community for people that want to be entrepreneurs. So I think it's really cool that you're building the syndicate, folks that are making the decision, right, investing that come from that world and understand it. But it also probably creates a community, I would imagine. Yes. Actually, my co-founder, Emily McMahon, is a board member with Patriot Bootcamp. Awesome. 
Yeah. And realized that it was network, mentorship, and of course, capital. And also location are four things that were lacking with respect to veterans receiving VC capital. You know, we acknowledge that overwhelming majority of companies should not necessarily seek VC funding. It does, does not necessarily make sense. But for those that are, they definitely lack that network and that mentorship. And a lot of times location also. They're not necessarily located in a place where VC is doled out to a large degree. We seek to solve that uh, issue with via our syndicate and with our fund. I can't remember the acronym that AF Works used to use for this, but I, I went and judged a competition and it was service members that were creating these innovations that they were doing things like, I can detect uh, heat leakage on a fuselage of an airplane or something. It's just an amazing innovation. But then looking at it as an investor, you're sort of like, there's a big market for this, you know, more generally. Yeah. So I found a lot of times that this is true with space as well, which I know you're involved in aerospace is that these things that are created for specific situations, be it you know combat or defense or whatever, can be really broadly used. So is that a big part of what you're doing with AIN is really trying to find technologies that can reach consumers everywhere? Absolutely. So we're looking for folks that have a technology going both ways. They already have a civilian usage, but they think they could further refine their product by, and the government could use it to a great degree. And then once it comes out of that use case, you'll have an even better product that can achieve wider adoption on the civilian side. And also a situation where someone is building a product for a government use case, but hey, there's a humongous commercial use case there. We're 100% doing that. And you've seen that since really the 40s and early 50s in Silicon Valley and how it really got going. There was a lot of back and forth between the Department of Defense, the intelligence agencies, and innovators there in the Bay Area and around the country in general. So what we're really doing is a continuation of that. That's somewhat gotten lost as software has eaten the world. Um, and some of those use cases on the civilian side are not as paradigm shifting on the government side. But when you start talking about hardware and really hybrid hardware software, where you make that hardware that much better because of the software you bring to bear there, that's a situation where you'll see the government interest will be peaked. And actually, in a lot of situations, the government's technology is actually beyond that of the civilian world, particularly in hardware and hybrid hardware software. And then eventually, that technology will have a use case in the, in the commercial world. Drones is a great example. I can't remember a time when I was in the military where I didn't deal with drones. That was 2003 when I went active after graduating from the academy. But, you know, you really didn't see drones become ubiquitous in U.S. society. I mean, they're still not, not ubiquitous in U.S. society. I'm still not getting my tacos delivered that way. I'm waiting exactly. for that. Exactly. It'll still take some time. You think they're light enough at this point. I mean, they should, should be able to handle it. I mean, we can they do are. it on Mars, right? We just can't do it down the street from a restaurant, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. It's so funny. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you're looking at all kinds of crazy things. You're looking at medical healthcare issues and gene therapy, right? I mean, so many innovations have come out of military in the past, right? The internet itself, radar, right? I mean, the list goes on and on. What are the specific areas that you think are most likely to come out of this sector in the future? Obviously, the space technology in that arena, the commercial space industry is very small at this point. I think a little over 90% of revenues for space tech companies is from the government. So space is the classic dual-use situation where you know, I can invest now. The company is mainly going to have government revenues. But as the commercial space industry develops, there goes that commercial use case, right? I think a lot of things in and around artificial intelligence and machine learning as it pertains to how to make hardware better. That's something that we're keenly focused on. 
those are just a couple of examples of, of areas that we're looking at to a large degree. We're, we're somewhat, I would say, frontier tech biased with respect to our non-veterans in dual-use tech focus. But with that being said, we are really keen on companies. And here in this situation, we have a software bias that are seeking to help make governments more efficient. So for instance, we've already made an investment through our syndicate into policy confluence, POLCO for short, which actually is an Air Force Academy grad that's leading it, and also another Notre Dame ROTC guy, two former Air Force officers leading it. And what it does is it seeks to improve the conversation between small governments and their constituents through surveys and polls. So we're running the gambit with respect to truly making the country safer, operate more efficiently, and having a strong commercial use case. Yeah, I think the space area in particular, and I know you've engaged with our crew, you know, Matt Kozlov. How did you run into sort of Techstars and what's in it for you sort of showing up and, and helping find the next early entrepreneurs and sort of helping out as a mentor around the program? I'll take a page out of my buddy Jackson Cummings, Black Venture Institute, and the folks at Black VC. And, and it's something we talked about where you've got to do the work before you get paid for the work or actually do the work, right? I knew that in order to ingratiate myself more in the venture ecosystem, I've got to start just getting involved and being as helpful as possible, leveraging any knowledge that I had in order to help companies. And I, you know, I developed some good learnings after six years of M&A investment banking, as well as years of advising and, and investing in, in, in some startups. I actually threw a business associate there at Techstars at the time, Grant Bell, who's now at Orbifab, a Techstars funded company. I got into contact with the folks at the space tech program, Bonnie and, and Matt. Really loved them and participated in the program as an EIR and absolutely loved my experience. It was pretty intense. Bonnie was just all over these folks, making sure they were on task, doing what they were supposed to do. It was phenomenal. And that batch, the 2020 batch of Techstars Space Tech Accelerator cohort did extremely well from a capital raise standpoint, actually developing their product standpoint. Because, you know, I, I like to say that you know, Techstars is a biz dev on steroids. I was shocked. So I said, if I could ever work with these folks more, I 100% will. And that's what I'm doing this year with Matt Kozlov, working with him to help shape the Techstars LA class. Uh, he moved on from the space tech program that Jonathan Finsky took over for. And he's now running all the Techstars LA and I'm helping him shape that class. It's really from a position in line with the theme of the podcast. Get first. Do the work. Get dirty. Roll up the sleeves. And just start helping out however you can, leveraging any knowledge you have in order to help these companies. Where did you pick that up? I mean, who have been your personal mentors and what did you learn from them? And maybe I also want to ask a little bit in that same question. Not everyone is successful trying to transition from sort of serving in the military to being a venture capitalist, right? Mm -hmm. That's a jump. It's a leap. I don't see it a ton. So who were your inspirations and what did you learn from them? My inspirations were from afar, but I saw Tyson Clark, who's now a partner at Google Ventures that was able to do it successfully. And he's been a mentor of mine. He's always willing to pick up the phone and talk to me. And that's been great. Also, Brad Harrison and Wes Blackwell of Scout Ventures, who really helped me get going with the AIN, Academy Wrestling Network. They were extremely helpful. And they were genuinely sincere in building an ecosystem, building a community. When we step back even from those folks, I made a decision as a banker how I was going to live my life. I loved doing healthcare investment banking, which is what I did, particularly in the life sciences where I focused because it felt altruistic. We're focused on the bottom line. You're in banking. It's probably about as hyper-capitalist as you can get. You are trying to fund companies or sell companies to other companies that are trying to change the world and make the world better for humans. 
that made me feel good at the end of the day. The end of the day in banking is sometimes 3 or 4 a.m., right? So I said, if I have to work my butt off for anything, I want to work in a way that I'm actually helping others. I will say another mentor of mine, a person who I admire and who's helped me, is uh, Arvind Gupta, who helped start IndieBio, and Deshauna Sullivan, who's since moved on to Mayfield. And he really talks about doing capitalism for good. If you read him and Paul Bronson's latest book, I believe it's called Decoding the World. And speaking of the book I've read recently that I love, I read that book, and that was a consistent theme throughout the book. And I actually just hopped off the phone with Arvind a couple of weeks ago. You know, we got a short life. I felt like I lived a life of service in the military. And that leap from the military to venture capital was because it was my assessment, me stepping back, that was one of the most impactful ways that I could help shape in a positive way human society by investing in startups that are literally trying to change the world. That's why I love frontier technology. That's why I love the healthcare space. These people are creating paradigm shifting technologies. And I want to be a part of that and leverage the financial skills I learned at the University of Chicago Booth, leverage the financial skills I learned as an investment banker and play my part in doing capitalism for good. It's awesome. And I, I hope it's an inspiration to others who want to follow that path, you know, around Patriot Bootcamp and other things, right? We hear from lots of folks that have been in service and it's how do I break into this industry? You know, how do I become an entrepreneur? And community really helps, but also people like Tyson, Brad, Arvin, right? That are willing to sort of give first and help you, right? With an opening and sort of along the way, get a few doors open and give you some advice. And I know you're giving that back to the next generation as you invest. So that's awesome. I want to switch into a little bit of rapid fire, ask you a few questions so people get to know you a little bit more. I want to ask you about a book maybe you've read that you think entrepreneurs could benefit from. Well, I already said Decoding the World by Poe Bronson and Arvind Gupta, yep. I think would be helpful. But on Matt Ridley, How Innovation Works and Why It Flourishes in Freedom, it's pretty Eurocentric. It is very British-centric to some degree, but it is a outstanding book to just show how innovation it works best in environments where there is spontaneity. Spontaneity is encouraged. And what's really interesting is a lot of times human beings can be working in different parts of the world, not know that someone else is working on something or barely know that they are and come to the answer at around the same time. It's very eerie. It really shows how interconnected humans are. And I actually saw that in my life because I, I was, as a banker, was somewhat involved in the gene editing space. And I saw a company in South Korea actually filed the patents for CRISPR-Cas9 prior to the folks at Berkeley, as well as the Broad Institute, which is MIT. They kind of came to the conclusion around the same time. It's, it's pretty eerie. So I saw that anecdotally in a narrow way in, in my own life. So that book is excellent. I would suggest that people read and or listen to that book by Matt Ridley. Awesome. Good suggestion. How about a place in the world that you think everybody should check out while they still can? Let me give two places. I'll allow it. <laughs> I think everyone should go to Thailand and just go around the country. I consider Thailand and Jamaica like my spiritual homelands. I just connect so well with the people in both of those places. And when I say Thailand, I'm talking like a Chiang Mai, places along those lines. Although Bangkok is great. Not necessarily Bangkok. It's a little crazy there. And then Jamaica also. In both of those places, the people are so warm. The people come across as so centered. And there's a strong philosophy with respect to life in those places. I'm a big lover of reggae music, right? 
And if you listen to reggae, there's just such a message behind the songs from a people who've been oppressed and have had rough lives. It's, you know, basically Caribbean blues, some reggae music, right? And I really love that. I love Jamaica for the music, but also the, the beauty of the country and the water, of course, et cetera. I love it there. And in Thailand, again, the beauty of the country, the water. I love a great beach anywhere I can get. Those two places are places that I would suggest everyone go to. Awesome. You gave me an easy one to set you up with. I mean, favorite reggae band that maybe people don't all know about and anyone off the radar that people should check out? I mean, there's a couple. I mean, Revolution is, I feel like a lot of people know Revolution. I love Bujibantan. I love him. And then, you know, I, I just go old school with, you know, Bob Marley and the Whalers, right? When they were all together. Like, I love that music. It's such a message behind the music. How about this? Anybody that you wish you could just have dinner with? Who would be your ideal dinner guest? Somebody you just really would love to just hang out with for a night? I'm a bit of a computer nerd. I love to have a dinner with Elon Musk and George Hotz. George is the Commodore AI guy in Elon. And just have them riff off each other about level five autonomy. I have to say this philosophy I've come up with, you know, Mark Andreessen talks about software is eating the world. I tell people, while software is eating the world, I feel like AI and ML will crap it back out. Usually I use expletives, but right? What does that mean? When I say crap it back out, it means that it's going to give us a lot of our time back. So I would love to have a conversation with us three at a dinner table and hear them kind of riff off each other. So Sherman, the reason I asked the question about the dinner guest is because two reasons. One, you never know if Elon's listening or something and says, oh yeah, man, I want to have dinner with the Sherman. <laughs> we do know his brother, Kimball, by the way. So you never know. Owns some great restaurants here in Boulder. But also, I think maybe I could get invited because usually there's four seats at these tables. So that's why. That's true. That is true. I just want to thank you, Sherman, for everything you do, both as a Techstars mentor, but also just really as an inspiration to people that sort of come from maybe the military or even those crazy investment bankers that decide they want to get into VC. Uh, <laughs> it's really cool to see the path you're on. And people I know are going to go out and check out Academy Investor Network AIN, learn more about it. And just really uh, thankful to have a little time with you today. Thanks for joining. Absolutely. And thank you for thinking about me and us and looking forward to giving a lot more. Thanks a lot for listening to the show today. We'd love to hear your feedback, ideas, or who you'd like to hear next on Give First. And please leave a rating and review, ideally a good one, and reach out anytime to podcasts at techstars.com or on Twitter, I'm at David Cohen. See you next time. Don't forget, Give First.